I'm Julie Holland. And I'm Nick Spacek. We're the hosts of The Carnage Report, a horror news podcast, part of the Cinepunks Podcast Network. Every other Thursday, we bring you the latest news you can use on horror movies, casting, production, re-releases, trailers, and more. We also do a deep dive into a movie new to streaming or theaters, giving you our thoughts and opinions on whether you should check it out. Toss in recommendations for similar movies and a whole lot of commentary, and it's all the horror news you can use. The Carnage Report is on Twitter and Instagram at Report Carnage. Find us at cinepunks.com, that's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, or wherever you get your podcasts. Howdy, folks. My name is Owen Brand. And I'm Katie Cadaver. And we are co-hosts of the VHS Vault podcast, where old is new and cringe is king. Uh, we are a podcast dedicated to bringing you old and obscure movies from deep in the vault. That's right. You can listen to us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and on Planet Rage Radio Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on the Live 365 app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And email us at VHSVaultPodcast at gmail.com. The Shameless Picture Show is part of the Cinepunks Network. If you like the Shameless Picture Show and you want to hear other great shows like it, make sure you check out the Cinepunks Network. You can find them at www.cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. There's other great shows such as Cinepunks. There's The Carnage Report, Cinema Smorgasbord, Fat Girl Hacks, Loud, Fast, Philly, Tomb of Ideas, and Twitch of the Death Nerve, and so much more. If you like punk rock and you like movies, make sure to go to www.cinepunks.com. And let's not forget the sponsors for the Cinepunks Network. We have the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley with service to the whole country, professional and personable in a way that only a DIY business can be. They also have ridiculously low prices for whatever your screen printing needs may be. You can visit them online at xlvacx.com. That's xlvacx.com. Com, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. We also have the Essex Coffee Roasters. They're, all their coffee is roasted to order. They have high quality beans, bunch of apparel, and tea available. They are bringing high quality coffee to the masses without the pretentiousness. Use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. You can visit them at www.essexcoffeeroasters.com. That's E-S-S-E-X coffeeroasters.com. Once again, use the code CINEPUNKS for 10% off your first order. Big shout out to the band Crossed Keys uh, for lending us that awesome fucking music during our little ad. That song is called Who We Never Were. You can buy that single currently off of Bandcamp. The band is called Crossed Keys. It will be on their full-length album, Believes in You. Uh, that song was lent to me by Crossed Keys, specifically, uh, I don't know if he goes by Joey Angel or goes by Joshua Alvarez, but I met him as Joshua Alvarez, he's the co-host of Cinepunks, our fucking network, and I told him, I love this song, I want to use it, so that way people don't have to just listen to me talk, and he said, fuck yeah. So please, if you like the song, uh, the song is called Who We Never Were, you can get that on Bandcamp currently. Uh, it's off of their album, Believes in You. You can get the 10-song... The 10-song LP is out May 5th. Friday, May 5th. 
Uh, you can actually order it on vinyl right now. So go show them some love. Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, Corpse Grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and pick up your copies of Rudy Raymore's Dolomite films, just in time for the new Netflix movie, Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Also available is Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, James Hong's The Vineyard, Pledge Night, Lust in the Dust, starring Divine, Putney Swope, The Amityville Cursed Collection, and much, much more. Also, don't forget to pre-order your copy of Tammy and the T-Rex in glorious 4K Ultra High Definition, or Blu-ray, and The Angel Collection. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Merry Christmas and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am your host, Michael Byers, and today I am being joined by two very special guests for our yearly end-of-the-season Christmas special. First, without further ado, we have the man I created The Shameless Picture Show with, joining us to spread a little Christmas cheer, my partner in podcast crime, uh, Nick Richards. Yay! <laughs> this Nick, is my Christmas present. <laughs> it is, and you've not been on since we did che- since we did Up in Smoke. Yep, when I went Up in Smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I you so much. I've missed you too. It's it's uh, so Derek to give you a little bit of like context. Like since he lives so far away, this was really our only time to like to catch up and communicate because we're both bad at texting. <laughs> so sure. podcasting was when we caught up, and now because of that, I haven't really talked to him much <laughs> in all a couple months. It's been brutal, <laughs> but uh, we're not alone. It's not just me and Nick today. Our next guest has been on the show before, back during season four, to, d- to discuss cult cinema. Uh, 
to quote the intro for his podcast, Cigars and Conversations. We yeah. are sitting, I'm, I just stole the intro that Jay reads for you every single Why time. Why not? We are sitting here with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. This man has shared the ring with a who's who of talent. He's a wrestler. He's been a manager, a commentator, and a trainer who has contributed essays to wrestling publications. With 20-plus years of experience, he is a true renaissance man with unlimited knowledge about the business of professional wrestling. He's also a Brady Bunch fan. So let's give it up for Derek St. Holmes Esquire. Uh, I thought you were going to throw names in there. I was excited no, to see who you were oh, going to substitute. I was going to. I had Cage Match pulled up, and I was just going to start uh, pulling uh, up some. Because I th- originally my plan was I was going to do that. But I didn't want to steal whichever one's Jay came up. That was my thought. It's like, well, can I fi- can I find someone that has Jay has not done? Because I have listened to every episode of the show, but sure. I haven't kept I haven't kept track of who he's all named. That's I'm fine. Sure. That's fine. I'm sure you could find something that would surprise me on Cage Match. Mm-hmm. And who knows how accurate? If nothing that went wrong, is. I don't remember it. Yeah. Uh, thus far, to my knowledge, the only person that I can confidently name that you wrestled was Matt Classic. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a lot he, of fun. He's a Matt Classic. Yes, I believe that one's on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, that was actually the 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 first show I went to for what was that ICW? That was the first ICW show I went to, and nice. I realized very early on the balcony is a terrible seat. It was yeah. ba- it was back when they were uh, working at the the place on Thirteenth Street. It's gone through like 150 names. Yes, uh, it was the Sports Connection, and then Liquor Suites, and then it was the Asalir Nightclub. Yep. And I don't know if anything's there. Mm. Um, so I've driven past it for grins and giggles, but because that was allegedly that building was formerly an Irish barn. And <laughs> it, it well, shows. No, yeah, well, it was. And that upper part that we were in was the Haymow. And the owner pointed out one time that the posts that like were running up the walls, like those were all individual trees. Like, so hmm. all of those posts were one piece. I saw a, like, and it's such a weird shaped building, like a room too. It used and to be I, a barn. Yeah. I know, but that's <laughs> the thing I liked about it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like every time I ever went, Nick, this is probably not interesting to you because you don't watch wrestling nor have I, you seen this location. I'm but... fascinated by the conversation. <laughs> oh. I just can't um, contribute much to it. Because okay. it, like there was like a little stage. Um, and then in uh, in front of the stage, they'd put the ring. But what made it tight was they had um, like these two protruding walls. One on one side was where the bathroom was at. The one on the other side is what led you downstairs. So you had a really tight area in between the ring. And what they would usually do is they uh, they put like the VIP seats along like the the side of the ring because you only you could fit like a row or two there. But what made it really funny, so you had like really confined quarters between like the stage and the, the walls were. But then the the door that everyone entered through, which was always hysterical because they would just swing the door open like Kramer, um, was right next to it. Uh, and there was also mirrors, I believe. It was. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, yeah. A, it was a strange little room. <laughs> um, and I uh, I've seen a lot of people wrestle in that room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a fun time. That's where I met Sabu. <laughs> oh really yeah and i asked uh, i asked him for uh on a, uh for a picture and i don't think he heard me because he said i don't have any and he walked away <laughs> <laughs> uh yes it was such a small room nick to give you an idea also an idea like the 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 public restroom was also the wrestling uh, restroom for the wrestlers 
Um, so probably a lot like the theater I work at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because and the only reason I know that for a fact is because uh I, I went back there one time after a death match and there's two guys gluing up their cuts. <laughs> oh sure. Yeah. So I was like, oh, just right in the same bathroom that everyone else is using. That sucks for you. That's not the worst thing you'd see in a bathroom there. I feel like you have stories. Oh, yeah, but this is public. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but no, it's I've always found try to find ways. Oh, I'm sorry. Just, just so I don't oh, get in no. trouble. I also first met the woman that would later become my wife there. So. Really? Was she, was she there as a fan or doesn't she do? Uh, no, that was the um as you know, I was agenting for the Russian Beast at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, I had to get introduced to the four Derby girls that needed to be trained up to have matches for Mondo. Mm -hmm. I remember that. You don't. This I, was the. This was in two thousand eight. So oh, really, because I could have sworn I remember there being a, a Derby uh, uh, match with. Maybe I'm just getting it confused because uh, they've been at a couple of the shows. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Well, the first show was the inaugural one. Uh, Derby Girls against the Beast. Beast got pinned. Second show, the Beast's green card had expired. So if he lost, he was going to be exported. If mm. um, he won, he got to marry the, the Derby Girl that he pinned <laughs> to get his mm. green card. So uh, Pile drove one of the Derby Girls. They brought the pastor out and had the service right in the middle of the ring. But then at show three, that led to the showdown between the Beast's wife and the Beast manager. Oh, which one's he going to do? Boom, pop the manager. Suddenly the Beast is the number one baby face. And he has been. Yeah. For a that, long time. I, nobody can explain why it works. It it just does. <laughs> he gets that's, a huge pop every I, time. Sure. I love it. Sure. <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> Everyone mm -hmm. likes a good Russian. Sure. Yeah, but, uh, not Russian anymore, though. He mm -hmm. had to rebrand with the uh, political leaning. So now he's just the beast. Oh, you're right. Well, yeah. I've been corrected. <laughs> I'll let him know. <laughs> but no, Nick, I've, I've, uh, it's funny. I've always been trying to worm uh, professional wrestling content onto this podcast for yeah. quite a while. I really and... enjoyed Beyond the Map. <laughs> Yeah, my my Nick never really watched much wrestling, so and I wanted sure. to find a wrestling movie. So it's like, well, that's, that's that was smart, on Netflix at one way. point. I'm sorry. That's smart, by the way. Not watching a lot of wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figure it's like soap operas, right? That has that uh, the story you just gave me felt like it would have fit in with. Yes, it's his evil twin. <gasps> <laughs> yes as much as much if you boil it down you can come to that yes but this is this is another podcast that doesn't need to be polluted with any of this <laughs> yeah but that, that's also another thing i i get professional wrestlers on this show to talk about other things uh thus far it's only just been you and jay but still you know yeah. th it's a thought that counts I, i'd probably reach out to the beast but i don't think he'd have much to say i don't think he speaks english I don't think so, but um, oh, sorry, Nick. the The Beast is a masked wrestler, by the way, and nobody okay. knows who he is. But but he doesn't speak Russian anymore now either. I yes. I don't know. I don't. He just I pick him up at the airport and he <laughs> sits in the back seat, doesn't say a word. We get to the venue. That's he, it. He's got an incredible pair of Zumbas, though. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. 
a nice collection of those. But yes. but the reason I wanted to have you on, Derek, because on your show, Cigars and Conversations, amongst the things that you guys talk <laughs> yeah. about, it's, mo- it's primarily professional wrestling. But yeah. some of my favorite little bits on that show is when you find tangential ways to talk about your other interests. Like I've learned the weirdest stuff about circuses listening to your show, um, uh, history of music. Uh, But then you also, uh, you went on a rant one time about the Brady Bunch Um, and, and sitcoms from that era in general, because uh, Nick, uh, Derek had made a great point that a lot of sitcoms during that time had an had a quote unquote wrestling episode where they usually brought in a professional wrestler of some sort to be a character and right. um the Brady Bunch had never done so and effortlessly Derek just pitched his idea for a, a wrestling <laughs> episode but in such a way that when I was listening to him talk I was like oh he's legitimately a fan of the Brady Bunch cuz oh, the yeah. beats you were hitting you were like oh this man's knowledge yeah he's watched a lot of episodes oh sure um, I immediately thought of the Boy Meets World episode where uh, they had their their wrestler. I think it was like one of their friends' dads. Yeah, Vader. Yep. Yeah, Vader yep. was on that, and I think the Bushwhackers were in that one too. Yep, and uh, yeah. Bruce Pritchard as Brother Love. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. he was on he was on commentary in that because the first time he oh, appeared, okay. Vader appeared. He, I think he was still with WCW, but the second time he was on the show, he was with WWE. Okay. So uninteresting information for people who can't listen to the Brady Bunch. Uh, But yeah, big fan of the Brady Bunch. Obviously, they were still, they weren't, (laughs) I'm not old enough that they were in prime time, but they were in regular, like that three o'clock to 6.30 rotation Mm -hmm. in syndication. Like you would always find them on TV at some time. And then um, it became a game to figure out how fast you could figure out what episode it was from the intro. And then I actually <laughs> found, um, I used to, uh, used to go to Walden books a lot and look for that. That was the local bookstore we had at our mall. So we didn't have a B Dalton. We had, a I remember, book. I remember there being a couple Walden books at one point. Sure. But I found, uh, Oh, I should have dug it out for the show. I found the Brady Bunch book, which was essentially an episode guide that went through all the seasons and gave a little summary of every episode and some background and blah, 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 blah. And uh, it was it was very truthful talking about Robert Reed's uh, distaste with the scripts and how mm. he got written out and stuff like that. Um, but that was very interesting because that was... Uh, so I would have been 17 or 18 at the time, obviously pre-internet sorry uh but that was the first time i had a reference like that that oh i could read this and you know know more about the know more about the series than anyone else you know right and i'm sure i'm sure all of you can identify with that feeling of oh i like this better than anyone else uh, <laughs> i've got multiples of those for the simpsons so i get it yes oh yes yes um i had like the first four of those when they mm-hmm. would come out with like three so uh, it, yeah such great stuff. I also remember there was a great one. I got Harry and Wally's Guide to TV, which was a comprehensive index of television shows from the dawn of TV at that time up until about 1984. Wow. So it was like the size of a phone book, and it was great. Oh, I bet. And, yeah, sorry. So this is a tangent. Oh, that's okay. Um, that's what the show's about. Yeah. Yeah. So a big fan of the Brady's. 
this is all happening at the same time. Suddenly there's going to be this Brady Christmas special. So of course I watch it live then or at broadcast then and uh, loved it. And, and, you know, we'll get into that and everything. And then that's been repeated. Uh, I did not catch any of the Brady's dramedy that happened just because it was at such an inconvenient time. But I've seen it enough that when you asked me to be on this show, I was confident I could do this without rewatching the show. <laughs> Perfect. Well, then, uh, uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our movie. And then, Nick, I'm going to get ask you pretty much similar question about your history with the Brady Bunch. Okay. <clears throat> So if you couldn't tell just by our brief little discussion on today's episode of the show, we are finally discussing a film that Nick and I have been talking about doing since the beginning of the show. A Very Brady Christmas. A Very Brady Christmas takes place 14 years after the the show originally went off the air. And is a kind of continuation of the short-lived sequel series, The Brady Brides, from 1981. All the Brady kids are grown up and living their lives. Some are married, some are in college, and one is a race car driver. (laughs) Spread all over the United States, it's been a long time since the entire family was under one roof. After Christmas vacation fiasco with the Brady parents, which could have been an episode in itself, Mike and Carol realized that they uh, the only thing that could bring them true happiness is to bring everyone together. On paper, this is a great idea, but not everyone is hunky-dory as they have all they all have their own personal issues that might rain on their Christmas plans. Can the Brady family <laughs> Can the Brady family have a great Christmas together or will everything cave in under the pressure of the holidays? Oh, I see what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> a very Brady Christmas had a lot of buzz before its premiere in 1988 because it would be reuniting the entire cast, original cast except for Susan Olsen who played Cindy. Olsen did not want to take time away from her honeymoon to reprise her role. Plus, she had found out that Paramount had wanted to pay her less money than some of her castmates, so she was replaced by uh, actress Jennifer Runyon. However, despite this, A Very Brady Christmas was one of the highest-rated TV movies of 1988, with other uh, uh, TV films such as Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse, The Incredible Hulk Returns, and Elvis and Me all being released the same year. With its success, Brady Bunch creator Sherwood Schwartz was able to get another Brady show greenlit called The Brady's. However, it only lasted for six episodes. A Very Brady Christmas was written by the classic duo of Sherwood Schwartz, which is super fun to say, Lloyd J and uh, and his writing partner Lloyd J. Schwartz, with music by Lawrence Juber and cinematography by Isidore Mankowski. The film stars Robert Reed, Florence Henderson, and B. Davis, Barry Williams, Maureen McCormick, Christopher Knight, Eve Plum, Mike Lookinland and Jennifer Runyon as Cindy Brady from 1988, directed by Peter Baldwin. This is a very Brady Christmas. Tonight, on the CBS Sunday Movie, 
Remember that crazy bunch you grew up with? Those kids were terrific. Those kids are grown up. That's impossible. Wouldn't you like to see how they turned out? Can I skip this question and go right to the bonus round? It's a surprise package that'll knock you down and win you over. That sounds perfect. Share the laughter and the love. It's nice to have family. Join the celebration when the kids you grew up with come home for the holidays. Everybody came back for Christmas. You're invited to a very Brady Christmas. Coming up next. That's comprehensive. That was. I loved it. Um, okay, so... Oh, I'm sorry. It's your it's your mm. turn. Go ahead, Nick. You have, you have to tell um, your history of. I Nick, have several tell, questions based on that intro, but go I, ahead. Nick, I would tell me your history with the Brady Bunch. Say that my history is a bit uh, like Derek's, but light. Where um, I saw it in syndication. You calling um, me a nerd? <laughs> if I turn my computer around, you'll see that I am in my D and D sanction sanctum. So it's just different flavors. Oh, of the and, same. And, I the, and I should I mention it. the table that he has his computer on right now is a table specifically built for playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I spent <laughs> way too much on it. <laughs> um, uh, I watched it a lot growing up when I was younger. Uh, T- never time in time one second, yeah. Nick. Yep. The table. How was it built for D and D? Oh, like okay. felt top. Oh, you'll Turn see. It it's glorious. No. His entire look at that. Look at that. It, it's inset. Wow. Uh, and okay. then back behind the the DM screen, there's like a an insert nice. that I can use okay. for the DM section. And okay. then there's, there's the, trust me, that was important. Oh, okay. oh and there's you, and rails. The inside and the outside, so that you can attach magnetic cup nice. holders and dice okay. trays and okay. all kinds of things. Um, it's glorious. I agree with the cool. superfluous purchase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So sorry. Tell me about the Brady Bunch. So um, I've got to uh, move my mic back here. There yeah. we go. My really professional studio. Um, so uh saw it a lot in syndication uh never in any order which i guess doesn't really matter as much with these you know very serial uh shows from that era mm-hmm. and something that i kind of realized this watch through that i didn't appreciate or, or have the longer context for watching it growing up is how much of like a transition piece it was from like the leave it to beavers of the earlier that like nuclear family the the kind of show that turned into full house but like wasn't leave it to be that like let's sit around with a family and the goal is to just like make their kids feel better when they have a bump in the road kind of Hmm, i never considered that way sure yeah i understand like almost a genre yeah and uh that further made me appreciate kind of what it did for oh um i haven't watched it since getting remarried where my wife and i both had two kids and now we have this blended family so Mm. i kind of got to appreciate that element for it at a time when like blended families weren't really represented much on tv and that's an interesting point too uh well we fired her because she was just terrible no no i get it i get it <laughs> uh it's funny i i sometimes forget often 
uh, that the Brady Bunch is a blended family because mm-hmm. it's a it's a plot point on the first episode and then they never really touch on it ever again. Um, well, I think they they did in the Christmas episode towards the end, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once once that setup episode happens, it's just the family. It's not something that becomes the the subject of the, any particular episode's dramas. No. Uh, yeah, as I recall, though, there was they didn't want to touch on it because they would have had to deal with the subject of divorce. Right. And yep. they didn't want to do that publicly yet. So I think the mom died, but I think Carol was divorced. You you can feel how it was still taboo and they were presenting mm-hmm. something that wasn't in the main, you know, diaspora of of storytelling. Sure. No, it makes all complete sense. And and for me, uh, the Brady Bunch was a pretty like important show to me growing up, which is funny to think about because like I feel like when I was a kid, other other kids my age were probably like asking to stay up late so they can watch like South Park. And I was bartering <laughs> with my parents so I could stay up and watch the two part episodes when they'd go on vacation. Um, I just I got really invested in the Brady Bunch when it was coming on like Nick at night. Um Sure. And uh, that's kind of where my obsession came from. And to this day, I couldn't necessarily tell you what about the Brady Bunch appealed so much to me other than it just it felt comforting. Yes. And um, um, I saw. And I think for me, because like at the, when I was the when I was because I was the age of some of the, the middle, maybe younger Brady kids when I was watching it, um, that's where um, I was connecting to it because it felt like a TV show that even though it had some over the top storylines, it was still grounded in some sort of sense of reality in a way that <laughs> Nick, you had mentioned Full House. Full House didn't feel like it was when I was you know, a kid. And I always appreciated it for that reason. Plus it just kind of felt like an, like an event, Um, especially because like I said, they'd have those multi-part episodes and um, like, hell the Brady Bunch is the whole reason I learned about like film editing (laughs) in a weird roundabout way. There's an episode where um, Peter wants to stay up late to watch his favorite Western. And Mike and Carol agree, but they're going to stay up with him because Mike was concerned that the movie was might be a little too violent for him. Right. And they are they're staying up with him. And Mike's saying to Carol, oh, this is the scene where he goes into this place and shoots this guy, yada, yada, yada. And none of that stuff happens. And they actually re-edited the film to make the weed person seem like a much better person than he was. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the whole it was like a whole lesson about, um, um, you know, the way things are perceived and how much you can manipulate something. Yeah. So the Brady uh, Bunch editing. is teaching me about manipulation of media. Yep. I think about that when... Uh, Peter learned a oh. lesson, though. They always do, don't they? Yeah, well, because they brought in, what was it, the guy whose grandfather was shot by Billy the Kid? That was it. It was Billy the Kid, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I couldn't remember who it was. I just remembered it was a popular figure. Sorry. I didn't want to let that go without the lesson because that's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I couldn't remember the episode that well. So I'm glad you remembered the, the payoff. Yeah. Okay. I've been thinking over what you told me on the phone. Hmm? I feel sure I can straighten out that boy of yours. Good. 
Oh, honey, I'd like to meet Mr. Collins. Mr. Collins, it's Mrs. Brady. Pleasure to meet you. Oh, pleasure to meet you, Mr. Collins. If you'll excuse me, I'll get Bob. Please sit down. Would you like some coffee? Coffee, no. I still like mine cooked over an open fire and boiled till it's miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Collins, this is our son, Bob. Bob, this is Mr. Collins. Oh, hi. Hello, son. I think you're going to find this gentleman very interesting. Did you know his father actually knew Jesse James? He did? Wow, am I glad to meet you. I hear Jesse's a hero of yours. I wrote a whole composition about him for school. I wrote a whole book about Jesse James. Only he wasn't a hero to me. He wasn't? Nope. Jesse James killed my father. He did? Shot him in the back. That's how he usually shot him. Too cowardly to face him, I guess. I can't believe that, Mr. Collins. <laughs> He's telling you the truth, Bobby. Son, you know the legends. I know the facts. Mr. Collins, why don't you tell Bob about how it was with your father? Well, I was just a little boy at the time. My father was riding a train to California. Jesse James held it up. Did they have a shootout? Well, it wasn't much of a shootout. My father with his face to the wall, his hands in the air, and not wearing a gun. Then why did Jesse James shoot him? Because that's the kind of man Jesse James was. A mean, dirty killer. My mother used to cry about it in her sleep. When I was old enough to understand, I used to have nightmares about it myself. Awful nightmares about that train robbery. Um, so yeah, like the, it, the Brady Bunch was like kind of a big show for me. And... Uh, I feel like also when I was coming up, uh, there was just a lot of st- like I saw a lot of like doc- made for TV documentaries and a bunch of other stuff. And I just feel like it was always kind of around. Uh, and then I also um, I, I grew up w- right around when those um, Brady Bunch movies in the 90s were coming out. And I, I absolutely love those movies because they're loving tributes to uh, even though they're they're satirizing them. Um, so like I said, the Brady Bunch just kind of feel, feels like it was always in my in my life. Um, and um, yeah, am I correct in recalling that when we started the podcast, you had not seen the Christmas movie? I hadn't seen the Christmas movie until just the other day. Oh, okay. I was so holding it is, off to do this. This is official shameless material. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was holding off because I knew one day we would do this episode. <laughs> Yes. There's no oh. shame. There's there's just <laughs> that's there's right. Only, there's only love. There's only love. Uh, Derek, you you said you had some questions about the intro that I wrote. Um, yes. One, the Brady's coming to the decision that getting all their kids together would be the best thing. I always respect a mother hen wanting to get her chicks back in the nest. Mm-hmm. So that that makes sense. Two. You said the Incredible Hulk returns was that same year. Was I that the one that thinking when he said that you went to into a like a hold on? <laughs> yeah, because is that the one that had Thor? Let me look. Um, let me look at the cast list because uh, I've not seen it myself. I'm just familiar with it because I'm not sure if that had Thor or a bad Hulk. Um, it had Thor. Eric Allen Kramer played okay. Thor. Okay. Okay. Thank you. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Just like, wait a minute. <laughs> and uh, so, like I said, I'm I'm the odd one out here where I hadn't seen uh, a very Brady Christmas, and it seems like both of you had. So I'm going to turn it to you guys for a minute. Nick, uh, let me ask you first before I um, figure out which order I want to do this in. Had you seen this up until now? Uh, yes, I had. But I want to say I had not seen it when we started the Shameless. Okay. Um, but saw it at some point around season two or three. And that's when we started, I think, pitching the idea of doing this as an episode. Okay. Um, then t- tell me a little bit about that. Um, so this is not your first time seeing it. And like I said, you have an interesting approach to this because when you had seen this movie originally, uh, you didn't have a blended family. So rewatching it now, you said change that perspective. Um, tell me about your initial thoughts and feelings about a very Brady Christmas. So watching something of an how how do i want to put this it it stood out to it, it's been a while since i have seen television from that era mm-hmm. e- even though the movie was made later it was made very much in the same spirit mm-hmm. of the original mm-hmm. um and so it was a reminder to me of how different television is today oh yeah than what it was then, or even when I was a kid, the stuff that I watched in the 90s and, and early 2000s uh, when I got to be of television watching age. But I did a lot of Nick at Night and, it, you know, those things too. Mm-hmm. I One of my favorite shows to this day is still The Twilight Zone, where I, I go back to that older stuff. But Oh, do you, yeah. did you ever watch the New Year's Day marathons? Oh yeah, I, yeah, they yeah. were they were big in our house too. Yeah, okay. all the time. Though I shifted at one point over to Doctor Who once we were able to get because we couldn't get Doctor Who in the states when I was a kid. So once I, I discovered it. that, I was doing those New Year's Eve ones. But I had sure. the I still have the DVD box set, and nice. which is now pointless because it's all on streaming. But well, you can send uh, that DVD box set to me for now. It. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> best best to own it. Have have it locked in. Exactly. Um, so, so that was one of my big like shifts in watching it today was just kind of remembering what TV was from that area where it's it's very nuclear family. It's the problems that they deal with are usually because people like just chose not to talk to each other. Like that's ninety percent of the drama is because they're just like poor communication. What yeah. they were thinking, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like you know this no, could have been no. a three minute conversation. <laughs> Sometimes there's talent shows. <laughs> there's talent shows right, right. Uh, uh, where uh, uh, them trying to break a world record for sitting on a teeter totter. <laughs> so twins, <laughs> football the, the, the face. And then the occasional uh, holiday episode or yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, trip episode, which this movie, like, I love how it started out as a trip episode. And <laughs> yes. then like, oh, no, we both did it. They can't two negatives cancel each other out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so much uh, like it was an hour and a half or whatever the runtime is of, boy, I'm not going to tell them this. Oh, I guess I have to tell them this. 
but it's still so fucking charming. Like the the whole yes. time through, it's so saccharine and over the top, but it's a really warm and fun. It's like a big blanket. It's on a it's cold yeah. day. it's almost beautiful how. I want to believe it was it was it was done intentionally, but realistically, it's, I just think Sherwood Schwartz has never left uh, the writing style of the Brady Bunch. But I, I absolutely love how. I agree with that. I'm sorry. I agree with your statement with like unironically. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That that's his formula. Yeah, and I love that they kept it to that. Yeah, um, like and everyone kept their performance style for the most part, uh, and I love that. <laughs> they were just like, let's do an hour and a half Brady Bunch. Even though we've been off the air for 14 years, people haven't forgotten us. Puff, and- puff, puff. You want to know what we change? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. We don't change a goddamn thing. So uh, it, a little side anecdote. So I'm, I mentioned I work at a theater. It's primarily a live performance venue. You also and- work at a television station. Uh, yeah, I'll kind of fold it in together. That's where the uh, magic happens. Mm-hmm. At one point, we had Don McLean perform. Ooh. So he, cool. he plays American Pie, and everybody loves it. And he plays some more songs, and it's time for the encore. And he <laughs> just... clap politely. Yeah, he looks around and he goes, <laughs> so you want more pie? <laughs> and everybody cheers, and he's like, all right, we'll just play Woo! it again. So whatever that kind of situation comes up amongst our staff it's so give them more pie so the, give them more pie the, oh that's great. the brady bunch christmas movie like why would we change a damn thing here's some more pie oh, that's so oh. funny i'm gonna i'm gonna start stealing that just give them more pie do you want some more pie yeah. i know why you're here we changed nothing so nothing Derek, tell me a little bit about what um, I, you said. You had watched it when it first came out. Oh, sure. And, uh, you were a, a Brady Bunch fan. Like, like what? What? Like, was this something that people were excited for, or was this like, oh, if you like the Brady Bunch, you're gonna like, you're gonna like this, or like, what was like? Because the thing about this time period, TV movies were so big. There, they built the shit out of TV movies. Sure. They advertised the shit out of them. Like my mom, I mentioned Elvis and me. My mom told me that was like she had to be in front of the TV when that came on. And sure. we don't really have that anymore. So what was it? What was the buildup like for a very Brady Christmas? If you can remember. Well, two things. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on TV movies. But the other thing is remember that uh, the Monkeys revival had just happened. Hmm. So there was already a priming towards entertainment from that era becoming fashionable again mm-hmm. like, like it had hit its nostalgia so that was a big thing that helped with the brady's as for the tv movies i remember that there were epics like uh rich man poor man and roots and shogun and mm-hmm. like as a little kid all i remember about those was none of my shows were on because of this boring movie that <laughs> i didn't want to watch <laughs> but that was a way uh, you know, you would get in, it was a way to digest first run entertainment that didn't involve going to a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be, I believe there was even a mad cartoon about it, about, oh, you want to see that movie? Then sit in that chair and wait two years until it comes on TV. But a TV movie would have been, oh, this is a night's, this is a night's entertainment that we can get for free. So I think that's why they were big. Anyway, getting back to the, uh, 
the nostalgia mania that had just begun to wash through uh like the 60s were really that was like the sweet time where they always say like 20 years ago that's when things become fashionable again like that was this 60s and 70s was that sweet time that we were getting into in the late 80s so that made it a big thing it was also a big thing because it was a reunion of almost all of the cast um like I remember the Brady Brides briefly. Uh, I think it was, you know, only on maybe two years. But uh, so that was a blip. I like that they continued the storylines from that. I know I just, they, I remember they brought it back the, the big, husbands. Yes, it brought back the husbands. Uh, the Wally guy, I want to say I've seen him in other piece work. I, I recognized him as well, but couldn't place it. Yeah, and he also had a... Um, he had a, a a slight lisp that was very like, oh, I recognize this guy's voice. Yep. He's done a lot of voice work since then. I didn't. Um... Oh, he was Sandstorm on G- on Transformers. Yeah. Citizens of Paratron, I implore you to help me defend our planet from these violent intruders. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I had to look that up because his voice did sound familiar. Uh, I hadn't seen Philip the other. Uh, I don't remember seeing him in any other roles. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know him. I don't know him very well. Yeah, but Jerry Hauser, I'm well. familiar with. Um, but then, uh, as everybody else came in, it was interesting to see the storylines. The storylines were believable in the context of the Brady universe. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, again, it was decent writing, but the issues that everybody had to present <laughs> that they didn't want to get together was quite laughable. Let's see if we go through. They didn't age well. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I answer your question first? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to know over? if this, if this was something that people were excited for. I mean, um, it was the TV event. Don't forget uh, back then the big thing every week was you got the TV guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the crossword puzzle in back, but you would get like a full page ad, like, oh, this is coming up. So it would be a big thing. Like, that's what you would plan to watch on that night. Oh, yeah. I, I still collect TV guys. Like, they don't make them anymore, but if I can find the old ones, I still pick them up when I can. Really? Uh, yep. Like, what region? Just your region or? Wherever I can find them. I, you can usually sometimes find them at like uh, antique stores and such. So. Uh, I, no, I'm sorry. Um, what region TV guides do you collect? Do you just buy them discriminately or just, just discrim- the ones from discriminately? When you... Like if I can find huh. one from when I would, I, I just like it's a dumb little thing. Um, but maybe it's because I've always been a, a huge fan of Leonard Malton. I just like seeing how how short and succinctly people can describe a movie. <laughs> oh, OK, sure. Um, so it's just for me, it's a time capsule. And just like I want to be I just want to look and be like, what were they playing on random channels and what were they putting stuff? I don't know. It's a weird fascination of mine. Uh, sure. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, um, what? Oh, please continue. No, no, no. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm I, was just, just, I'm just, I was, I was going to go off into the problems that everybody introduced. No, let's talk about it. Okay. Well, so, so the movie starts off, uh, Mike and Carol are both want to surprise each other with a surprise vacation. Uh, Surprise vacation for Christmas because their families aren't together anymore. So they're both planning separately. Alice shows up because Sam the Butcher has left her for a younger woman. 
I have to Which, say, so when that happened, just as someone who grew up with this show, <laughs> we, we were both like, "We have to talk about to talk Sam, about the, Sam butcher. the Butcher." Okay, my jaw hit the hit the floor because, like, Sam the Butcher's been cheating on Alice, and then I I, I had to explain like the whole like relationship to because my my wife Amanda hadn't really she's seen a she's seen like tertiary amounts of the Brady Bunch, but I know it's so, the the children. <laughs> I had to explain like to her that like one like how their their relationship how long they've been together but then two how extremely funny it is that he is writing this like dear john letter to alice with all of his meat puns because that's how he talked about the show um and just the simple fact that like when the brady bunch was originally on they caught issue with the censors for having mike and carol in the same bed together but they could get away with uh uh uh, seasoning a rump roast joke in 1988. <laughs> it was like that won't have passed censors back on the original show. Uh, yeah. They also didn't resolve. Like he just showed up. Sorry, I left you for somebody younger. Forgive me. It's Christmas. Oh, Sam, I love you. Please don't ever do that again. Merry well, Christmas, everyone. Like they, there was no like you son of a bitch. <laughs> Maybe Alice has a type of Stockholm syndrome. I, she, I, well, she's definitely a sub. Like you could tell when she was like oh, okay. coming back, and the uh, fa- she's like, "No, let me serve you. I will bingo. not sit at your table." Bingo. Yes. Yeah, that's that's one thing I thought was weird then. And then, in disclosure, I didn't watch the episode, but I did watch a YouTube review of of it just to like remind me of plot points and stuff like that. <laughs> But even they pointed out that in Alice's misery, the one thing she wants to do is like serve the Brady yep. instead of working on herself. And they're there to exploit it. Yeah. Like, she Alice needs therapy and a like, really great kink partner. Did she have that blue dress in her bag? Like, <laughs> That's what I was but, wondering. Oh, you uh, know she did. I, that, what else is in that see, bag? My, my, what I, I imagine they didn't about. touch her room and she still has her old room. He thing, says that. Know? He goes, "It's your old room is just how you left it. Yeah. It's um That's not healthy though. No, no it's not. Um just and they're more like they are more than like you like uh, like you said it's they're more than willing to exploit Alice and her her desire to help and she's just trying to like busy herself with things and like you want to help her get her a lawyer I also <laughs> felt really bad at the end when they're all having dinner together she's just walking back and forth oh. what happened to my pies sorry about that <laughs> oh sorry we ate them all sorry thanks for all of that hard work you did all night long we totally crushed them. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm jumping forward. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> All right. I, I'm just saying that Cindy and Bobby probably <clears throat> took trips out to the garage to go check on the wood pile or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, sure yeah, sure yeah. I'm sure so, of it. I'm sure of it. So that explains where all the pies went. <laughs> Alice. Alice, what a happy surprise. So, Sam walked out without saying goodbye. No, Mrs. Brady. My husband left me a note written on paper from his butcher shop. Dear Alice, I lied to you. I wasn't working nights plucking chickens. 
I met a younger woman. At first, we just traded meatloaf recipes. Then one night, she asked me over to season her rump roast. And uh, it also explains Cindy's disappointing resolution at the Christmas dinner, which we can touch to later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were all so like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, and then so we're talking about like what all their individual problems. Cindy's is is the strangest for me because, you know, she doesn't want to go back home she's like she kind of wants to see her family but then her roommate kind of talks her out of it and she's like yeah i'm not gonna go back home and then she ends up going anyways inexplicably she's what 20 20 early 20s in college you know she wants to go rip it up yeah and god bless her but it felt like her problem kind of they they kind of shoehorned the i want to go somewhere else into the I'm treated like the youngest and they didn't like those the two ends of that storyline they didn't tie together strongly enough so right it, it's like I wanted to go on a ski trip with my friends fine again that's classic like uh sitcom <laughs> want to do the world. ski trip with my friends <laughs> yes but then like then make the problem about the ski trip with the friends not that I just wanted to be asked because I wanted to be here, even though I said earlier that I didn't want to. It, it like she didn't understand her. Cindy did not understand her problem. Well, she, but she's early twenties. Yeah, right. Yeah, angry so. doesn't know what she's angry. About. That's <laughs> that's fine. These are brochures from Aspen, Vale, Steamboat, Sun Valley. Great. Well, which snow is the best? Uh, which guys are the best? <laughs> No, it's not Steve. Rory? No. Ross? Kyler? Richard? I'm sorry, it's Mike. Oh, hi, Mike. Wow, you sound older. Well, I probably am. I'm Cindy's father. Oh, it's for you. It's your dad. He sounds cute. (laughs) He's not cute, he's dad. Hi, Dad. Hi, sweetheart. We'd like you to come home for Christmas. Home? What happened to Japan and Greece? Well, we had a change of plans. All of us together at Christmas. Wouldn't that be terrific? Yeah, terrific. Home for Christmas. Cindy, everything all right at school? Yeah, yeah. These are my last finals, and then I am out of college for good. Boy, it's hard to believe. Plus, you're still our little girl. Yeah, I guess I am. Well, we'll see you at Christmas then. Okay. Bye. Bye. I can't believe I just overheard what I just overheard. Yeah, we shouldn't have been listening. You're not going skiing with the rest of us, right? Oh, but Belinda, my folks want me to come home. And you're going? You're giving up a trip with a whole gang? Come on, Cindy, you're an adult. The state recognizes it. Why can't your parents? I'm the youngest. I mean, everybody just always assumes I'm going to go along with everything. Oh, besides, I I do want to see my brothers and sisters and the whole family. You're graduating college. This is a time to bust out. Not a time to go home and listen to the same stories you've heard a hundred times. You know something? You're right. I mean, why do I have to do what everybody else wants me to do? 
Exactly. For once, I'm gonna do what I want to do. And what do you want to do? I don't know. Maybe I'll ask my folks. Oh. <laughs> I, I will say, yeah. speaking of Cindy, though, there is there was an opportunity for a really solid joke that no one on, that they didn't run with. Um, there's that great scene where uh, mm-hmm. Carol was like, uh, "Cindy, you stay start the eggnog. You know where the ladle is." And I just would have loved like just a simple like I I don't <laughs> because she's the only one not from the show. I just I just, for oh, me that would have okay. been that would have been a great you, little moment for me. What makes oh. you think I would know where that is? Uh, the the review that I watched said that they missed a chance when they all ran into each other at the airport to have somebody go, Cindy, I barely recognize you. <laughs> right, See, that's another easy yes. one. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, eighteen uh, year old Derek watching Jennifer Runyon. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thumbs up. Didn't didn't mind not seeing Cindy. Good else. casting. <laughs> yeah. Solid casting. Thumbs up. Um so and then um in terms okay. of Okay. So are memory. we gonna go top down or bottom up now? Oh, if, yeah, if we started with Cindy, I think we gotta Yeah. Alice doesn't count. So I guess let's let's go, let's go, let's go to Bobby next. See, now you're just you're contributing to the issues with Alice by just saying Alice doesn't count. Well, I mean, Alice doesn't count in she terms only of Brady exists children. To be the maid. She but just, she, I, my storyline is that separate because she she's not wants technically to a not Brady. Count. She's not technically a Brady, but she is part of the bunch. By the way, I hope she got paid during. I her hope time so. There. Yeah, that was my thought. Square. Yeah. Oh no, we'll let you stay here, but you know you're going to have to work. Anyway, uh, so then we get up to Bobby. And, I want to drive fast. Yes. Ricky Bobby. Bobby wants to be a race car. I'm just sorry, but Bobby was a race car driver. Just <laughs> should be covered by Primus. Yes. That's, that's it. I love how we both came up with like e- equally applicable pop culture references that describe Bobby being a race car driver. Yeah. That's great. Perfect. Uh, so Bobby wants to race cars. Um, as, uh, somebody that 27 years ago ran away and joined the circus of professional wrestling, sure. Get off his ass about it. You know, can he pay his bills? Then shut up. But they weren't even on his ass. Like, like he, they never expressed any discontent until he was like, Okay, I hope you're careful, but do whatever you want. It was a bunch of nothing burger. Pro- like they didn't care. Yeah, they didn't like, care about the, any the of these most. Problems. Mike cared about was like, I'd like you to finish school. Like he, right, he kind yeah. of cared about right. that, but he didn't even say you need to finish. He's like, I would like it, but you know, whatever. And, and then when he was like, Well, if this doesn't work out, I'll go back. He's like, Great, sounds good. That works for me. Yes. Do you know what happened in the TV show The Brady's? Then? I do. Oh, I don't. Did he crash? Yes. He crashed and he was uh, in a wheelchair and I believe was married to Martha Quinn. Is Now, canonically, is this before the Christmas movie? No, the, it was after the Christmas movie. That would be after, after. Okay. And I believe it's because Mike Lookingland actually got into a car accident and was in a wheelchair, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, if I'm remembering correctly. I know that he's been in a few car accidents. But <laughs> well, sure. he, you know, had a little issue with the eggnog. You know, yeah. He knows where the ladle is. Road sodas, yeah. Were you necessarily talking about me? No. Well, good. But I'm just going to come right out and say what I have to say anyway. I never wanted to hurt you either. 
but I'm not in graduate school anymore. I dropped out a year ago to become a race car driver. I looked everywhere for those pies and I guess I'll keep on looking. Bobby, race car driver? It's what I've always wanted to do. I know that you and Dad really want me to finish my business course. Yes, we do. We always want you to be happy, too. Driving is what makes me happy, so that's what I'm doing. Whether we approve or not. Yes. Bobby, it's so dangerous. Bob. I didn't always do what my parents wanted me to do. Did you? No. <laughs> it's your decision to make. If racing doesn't work out, I promise I'll go back to business school. But right now, this is what I need to do. Fair enough. Be careful, Bobby. And win. <laughs> All right, Bobby, the checkered flag. <laughs> uh, so Bobby wants to be a race car driver. And then who is next? Jan? Mm-hmm. Jan's uh, storyline, I will say, was um, all things considered my favorite because I feel like it had the most meat on the bones. Here, here's the problem with the Jan storyline, and it has nothing to do with Jan. It's when they finally have it out, and Florence Henderson is standing in the doorway like a freaking creep. Just watching them have this really intimate argument, just like smiling at them. And then they start like going at each other like feral beasts. Oh, you guys can be late to breakfast. Continues to stand there watching them. And then at some point, after watching for several minutes and clearing her throat, goes, you can be late for breakfast. And walks away like, go ahead and have makeup sex while we're having pancakes. I'm glad you said it because I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Jan and her husband are are having Phillip. um marital problems, and it's like this the the problems they're having, once again, as Nick said before, could have all just been cleared up if they talked to each other for five minutes. They didn't really re- when they talked, they didn't even resolve anything. They she just put a blanket on him and that was enough. Problem was. They were like, here's my problem, here's my problem. Great, let's make up. There there was no actual steps to resolving. It, yeah. it was. It was the blanket that like made it all better. That, that's my catch-all. If anything ever happens with my relationship, I'm just gonna put a blanket on her and Which the best. I will say, like, being covered in a blanket is like a Comforting. huge sign of love. But now I'm wondering if I've just been programmed to believe that from sitcoms because they all use it. You know. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Schwartzman. <laughs> Sherwood. <laughs> oh, that's it. Sherwood. Uh, so, yes. Marital problems. Getting laid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which so, I also have to say. Granted, they've all. <laughs> this is a good segue here. Yeah, They've all. Most of them have had. Uh, in uh, At least at least a couple of times have had sex. Because they, most of them have kids. 
I appreciate that Jan, who was always presented as the ugly duckling on the show, is the only one confirmed to knock boots on this show. So good for her. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's my way of viewing it. Um, let's see. Who's next? Um, then we go Peter. to the, uh, yeah, the my wife is, uh, or my girlfriend is my boss, and that makes me really uncomfortable as a man. Another sitcom trope. Yeah. Well, I thought it was makes more money than me. That they, I think they were kind of tied. Kind of, okay. yeah. It was both pow- power and money. Um, isn't he, it's he her assistant? Like her secretary or something? That's yes. Cool. And isn't she like 40? They, that, I'm not too sure. She seemed, that, I, I'm just, I'm recalling the scene because it was in the video I watched of Peter's girlfriend sitting with jan and cindy and just looking older than the two of them yeah like didn't look like a peer looked looked it like could, more of a marsha peer it could be but at the same time like peter just looks internally young so anyone yeah. next to him like even now oh, he doesn't look his age um which uh real quick i do want to mention carol houston who played uh peter's fiance was born in milwaukee wisconsin oh nice oh really yeah, so uh, wasn't uh, cool. the dad was born in Highland Park, I think, somewhere in Illinois. Robert Reed. Reed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so like P- Peter's storyline, hell, half the time Peter just felt kind of felt like he was just in the background. <laughs> uh, I think his is the the storyline that aged the worst. Yes. The mm-hmm. the whole like inverted power thing, like I recognize would have played appropriately when that, yeah. yeah, when that came out, it was like the beginning of a lot of the stuff that we're seeing today at beginnings, not quite right, but, uh, cause obviously that kind of work has been done for much longer, but the way that I saw that play out, like it was a recognition of like, Oh yeah, that feels hella dated, which, was mm-hmm. show some progress <laughs> right but wasn't that another like weren't there movies like working girl and stuff based right. on that mm-hmm. about oh women are good or tootsie or women yeah. are good yeah, in i business. feel like it like it was almost it was, some, it was something that was in the zeitgeist at, at the time yeah. in popular culture uh so you know our man sherwood was that's just why sherwood was it. so good baby he had his finger on the pulse and actually, <laughs> I was going to say with Sherwood, uh, we, we, I didn't get a chance to mention it before when we were talking about the way this film opens up. Uh, it is kind of a genius piece of writing with having both of these parents both planning a trip because it's an easy way for them to introduce all the siblings in a, uh, in a very economic way because they're all going to get a phone call. Right. And, right. Uh, and I just really appreciate that setup by my, by my wood Sherwood, by my boy Sherwood. Was- Another thing that I taught, like, they both told seven people that they were both planning trips, and not a single one of them went, hey, this is going to be a problem. Like, all seven of them were like, ooh. Yeah, they'll figure this out. (laughs) Okay. Alice kind of mentions that, you know, that she didn't want to get involved. but (laughs) Right, yep. But all seven of them had all of the information. Nobody. But they shared. all have their own bullshit going on. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm trying to think of a darker storyline, like 
okay, mom and dad get in this fight every year and they both decide they're <laughs> going to buy us tickets, but then they make up at the last minute and nobody ever gets tickets bought. So right. like none of the people they called were even listening to the phone call. They're just like, <laughs> okay, sounds great. I love okay. that. <laughs> I like that version too. And, yeah. um, <laughs> so all of a sudden tickets right. show up and it's like, what? Oh shit, we really got to go. <laughs> no, damn. Uh, and then next up, uh, I think in the pecking order, would you rather do, do you want to do Marsha or do you guys want to do Greg next? Uh, let's do Greg because like... he's so... Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was feeling that we were ping-ponging genders. Oh, I, I haven't been paying attention how, to how I've been picking them. Well, if we have a pattern, let's stick to it. Or All right. Somebody's gonna then be let's do Marsha then. Brings us okay. to Marsha. Yeah, yeah. Was... Sorry. That one's escaping me at the moment. So in that uh, one, her with her like really unruly, annoying children, um, right. uh, and then her husband had lost his job at the toy factory. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Now remember going back to the Brady brides. They were he was the zany one, where Philip was the uptight one for Jan, <laughs> and they had to live together. Blah, blah, Perfect blah, blah, blah. stranger style. <laughs> yes. Mm. so that's why wally of course of course he's a toy executive God, there was another show that used that <laughs> silver spoons oh yeah like the yep. dad was a toy executive and uh -huh. it's like that's now now it's just stands out as cheap writing like right. oh we need we need to introduce a lot of props and wacky stuff <laughs> he makes toys so of course every toy executive has all of their work at home lying around about <laughs> yep so but, the kids uh, can try out the new, uh, you know, uh, prototypes. Yes, yes, of course. It works every time and nobody ever gets burned or injured. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, so, yes, they're getting a divorce. Um, no, no, they're not getting divorced. And I he... believe. Oh, Marcia? no, they're get... he, he loses his job. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, he loses his job. And I'm jumping ahead because I'm thinking in the Brady series that followed, I believe, Marsha's storyline. Uh, she was replaced and played by Leah Ayers, who I think was the woman in Bloodsport. Cool. Um, she becomes an alcoholic. Whoa! I gotta <laughs> like watch this. This sounds dark. Around. Well, it was it was it was promoted heavily as a dramedy uh, mm. in the in the theme of like thirty somethings or some other shows that were popular at the time that were overall serious but had funny moments. You know. It, it lasted a season and a half. So, well, <laughs> Sherwood's on it again, so I'm going to have to watch it. Uh, they, they, they tried to mess with it. They, they got to keep the laughs in there. What that's, that's why you change nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Bastards. I've been in this town. He lived to be 100, didn't he? Sherwood Shorts? Jesus. I think so. Yeah, he was yeah. born in 1916, died 2011. Wow. Oh, so, not, not 100. Shy. But oh. still, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty damn good. close. Come on, Dad. Let's play with my toys. A bestseller. Ah, toys. I don't ever want to hear that word again. Did you say one of your bad words again? All I said was toys. Don't say that word. Honey, did something happen at work this afternoon? I don't know. I wasn't at work this afternoon. They let me go this morning. The Tyler Toy Company fired you? That's right. I won't be going there tomorrow or ever. Great! Now all of us can play with toys. Daddy doesn't like that word anymore. I mean, I gave them my best. I established markets they never had before. 
And there's a merger and a consolidation and I'm gone. You're a great salesman, honey. You'll get another job. Fine, but until then, where do we get the money to live on? I mean, we hardly have anything in the bank. Here, Dad. Here's my allowance. Give him yours. No way! Now, wait a second. Look, I don't want you kids to worry about this, okay? We'll work it out. Do you want to hear some good news? Only if we won the lottery. Well, in a way, my folks have invited all of us to their house for Christmas. They're buying plane tickets for Greg and his family, Philip and Jan, Peter, Bobby, Cindy, and us. Great! We get to see Grandma and Grandpa and all our aunts and uncles. And Kevin the slug. Mickey, Kevin is Greg and Nora's son. Now, he's just a little shy, so you stop calling him a slug. That's right, Mom, because that slug is our cousin. Well, I can't go. I mean, I can't let everyone know I don't have a job. We're going. No, we're not. We're going. We're not. We're going. We're Wally, not. Fight. No, it's not. Yes, it is. We're going, Wally. We're not going. So then we get to Greg. Yes. Which Who? I have to say, Greg's voice has not changed since None the original of the, run of this show. He may have an adult mustache, so but he, does, he has a child's voice. Yes. <laughs> Um, that is a thick, luxurious mustache, too. That is classic. He actually looks like he could be Robert Reed's kid. Right. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So he and his wife are both surgeons, but his wife wants to go visit her family and he wants to go see his family. Oh, my God. He's an obstetrician, right? Because he was delivering a baby in the beginning. And and she was like his nurse and they were weirdly making out in the office. But yeah. Uh, times his, it's his, like shouldn't you be paying attention to what you're doing no what are you talking about uh his wife annoyed the heck out of me um like you, you guys go to her house every year the one time he wants to go to see his yeah. family yeah she's not into it because quote unquote getting together for the holidays is our tradition no shit <laughs> yeah it's everyone's Whose family tradition. is that not a tradition apparently the brady's <laughs> well that's because in the I last do, 10 years, they've said we're going to get together, but nobody ever gets tickets. No. I do think that that is a relatable family tension, though. Like, yes. as yeah. when two people bring families together, how do you then divide up those, those holiday traditions that yes. you had? I don't mm-hmm. think it was presented in a way that made her look like it. it kind of because it was each problem was only given like a grand total of what, four minutes of airtime, like, and, and they didn't write it economical where it was still really effective, even though they were only getting those few minutes. Uh, Like it kind of played out as, wow, she's being really thoughtless, but had they had a little more nuance to it, I think that could have been a very legitimate, couple's problem i agree i agree one line if she would just said we're not going to see your damn family and then went <laughs> back to what she was doing that would have said everything right yeah. <laughs> but then she still shows up at the very end i saw them and then changed my mind and again it's like i think the real issue that i have with the writing of and and i i think you're right derek where this is like don't change what works. Like that's why people go to the Brady bunch. It's comforting. It's not too heavy, but 
none of the problems were actually solved. It's just that each couple decided that they weren't going to, it wasn't going to be a problem anymore. Right. That that's all that happened. They were like, here's our problem. Okay. It's not. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is one thing my wife pointed out a long time ago. The subject to a lot of uh, Brady episodes were, are you having a problem? Are you having a problem socially? Just change everything about your looks and personality. (laughs) That'll do it. Okay. (laughs) It worked. So that's all you need. Yeah. Um, Did you try taping off your glasses and letting your hair down? (laughs) But then I can't see. Suddenly you're beautiful. Yes. Well, plus, you can't devote more time to these problems, Nick, or else how are you going to have the montage of Mike and Carol setting up beds? <laughs> that was a great montage. Yeah. Pushing that mattress up those amazing... Uh, like, and I, when, when they're talking staircase. about, like, all Mike's going through all the rooms, that who, who's going to be in what room? And it just has the most... But bra- Mike! Yeah, the most Brady payoff. Where are we going to sleep? Wah, Don't wah. Know. <laughs> But it's so good. You come to get more pie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. If it if it had been anything else, like it wouldn't have given you those happy, fuzzy Brady feelings. Exactly. And and it's six. But funny enough, I just kept thinking, what about the uh, what about the bedroom in the attic that they built? <laughs> there was a bedroom that, in the attic. That's where Kevin McAllister sleeps. <laughs> no one wants. No one wants to hang out with him because he wets the bed. <laughs> that's Fuller. <laughs> Shut up! You're right. <laughs> um, and just in Mike's layout for where everyone's gonna sleep, like he's br- he's splitting up couples at one point, and isn't it's... he an architect? Well, yeah, right, he is. <laughs> just plays into the the house? most random uh, ending to a. Uh, can, can we talk about how this movie ended? Of course, and we then... can talk about whatever. And then there was this weird building collapse after the movie had concluded. Like we know the formula. Credits mm-hmm. should have rolled, and then they're like, uh-oh, I've got this call. So that, again, Florence Henderson could save the day by singing. Uh, which was a callback to the original Christmas episode where she lost her voice and couldn't sing. You know, I kind of loved how this was a giant, long, like, uh, clip episode. Well, but they only did it twice. So it's a very strange clip episode. Right, but but isn't that what would 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 have been needed with something like this? I mean, you're getting everybody back together because you mm-hmm. want to see him do. I'm just surprised they didn't do more of it. Right, because everybody they, had problems. I know. I'm just surprised it's it, it, like they did it one time for camping and one and the Florence Henderson singing one makes complete sense within the narrative of the show. Just a cutaway to camping seemed to seemed a little strange. Uh, but no, I just I feel like to me Sherwood Schwartz is like you know what's popular. Towering Inferno or those disaster <laughs> movies. Let's. What if this becomes a disaster movie? It, we need more states, but instead of adding states to the problems that we're talking about, we'll just slap it in on the end. And like this, this one I have to also mention. Good on good on Carol Brady for becoming a successful uh, 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 real uh, real estate. Yes, so good for her. Yeah, considering yeah. she had no work experience really throughout the entire time the kids were around. Well, maybe she went to school. I no, mean, exactly. Good I, I, for I'm, her. I'm but applauding how, her. How successful are these people that they can pivot from a cruise for two people to 13 plane tickets? <laughs> like, what was this cruise they were going on? <laughs> like, 
especially when well i mean i guess uh chronologically it doesn't make sense but then mike just lost that big account well, I got the I got the feeling he got paid for that job already because he always designed he pretty much designed the building they were building it. They, uh, you they, think he already got the the main part of the check? Probably. Yeah. He he yeah. did the legwork on that. Uh, he just the guy wanted to cut corners, um, and brought in a different architect that'll pretty much tell him what he wanted to hear. Uh, which then I love that you know the, that guy had to eat crow and call Mike back because the other guy was happy. Mike's this too. Is... Mike shouldn't have answered that phone. He shouldn't have. It was Christmas. Right. This is my favorite movie that is a, a warning of surrounding yourself with yes men. Yes. Yeah, yeah 100%. That's the, that's the moral of the story. I was really wondering. I didn't think they were going to do it because, once again, Nick, as you keep saying, you got to give them pie. Um, I was wondering, <laughs> like, is this going to is this going to end with Mike getting smushed to death? <laughs> like, I was really wondering for a minute because they were really building that. <laughs> that is what we're going to do. <laughs> We're going to put him in the building. We're going to film two endings. And then we're going to talk to Reed about his attitude. We're going to see where this goes. You don't like my strip? You didn't like it before? I'll fire you again. This time I'll kill you. I'll kill you on camera. There's no coming back from this. Oh, I love this version of Sherwood Schwartz that we've created. <laughs> Um, and for listeners at home who aren't uh, in the know about the Brady Bunch, Robert Reed, who played Mike Brady, notoriously did not like doing the TV show. Okay. Um, oh, go ahead. I'll wait till you're done, but I want to come back to this. No, no problem. I just wanted to give some a little bit of context. He uh, he notoriously did not like doing the Brady Bunch. And if, there's ever, and if you're ever watching the show and there's just episodes where he's just, you know, absent it's because he threw a fit and they would write him out of the episodes however uh, the reason he's one stuck... where greg gets his hair colored but yes keep going yes. uh the reason he stuck with the show though is because he did have a fondness for the brady children and kind of became a surrogate father for a lot of them oh okay so this was in the brady bunch book and i did cover this on my podcast but i i feel it's such a great point that i'd like to cover it again in the Brady Bunch book, they print the letter that he sent to Sherwood Schwartz about the problems he was having with the show. Mm -hmm. um, in particular, the episode where Greg got his hair colored orange and they had a bunch of wacky adventures to get it back. He stated that the Brady Bunch is established as a comedy, but it's based in realism and using the, the weird hair color takes it out of realism. And he equated it to, you're watching MASH, which is set as a comedy in a very specific context, and suddenly Batman walks into the operating room. And he's like, Greg's hair is equivalent to Batman in the operating room. It doesn't Fonzie fit in the context the of this series. I, I want to never knew that. Uh, yeah. And I love this idea that... Um, even though he didn't love doing the show, Robert Reed was trying to keep the integrity of the Brady Bunch. And yeah, well, he that. was a Shakespearean actor and believed yeah. in the, the craft. I mean, a very accomplished actor. And he's also like, he's really good in this show. Like he's, yes. he's really good in everything, but he didn't have to try as hard as he did on this show. Uh, but I appreciate that he did because he's really fucking good. Even, yes, in, even in this, ep in this movie integrity. episode. Yeah. What would you, you say, Nick? He has in fucking integrity. Yeah. Yes. 
and I and I honestly that that story, Derek. Thank you for telling that. Gives me even more respect for Robert Reed as an actor and as Mike Brady. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yes, that was his problem with the show. So ultimately, he could have taken his check and shut up and done whatever. But after after three years and having the same arguments, you know, maybe he just wanted to make a stand. I don't know. Could be. Um, so but he came back. Yeah, and it, you know, I imagine you put enough zeros behind someone's check, they're willing to keep coming <laughs> back and doing it. Sure. Um, and ultimately, when it comes down to it, you know, his feelings of the show aside, he did like the people he was making the show with. Yes. Um, or you know, I also you know maybe or maybe he hated them. That could be another. It's it's not true, but um, you know, maybe it's like when Sean Connery came back for the later James Bond films, and he just did it so he could. Just, cuss out cubby broccoli maybe he just wanted to you know curse out sherwood schwartz i don't know but <laughs> sure. mike mike dead glad you could come by mike what's yeah. up well you know what we're sitting on here we're not sitting on shale we're sitting on solid granite ted i know what the soil is i still insist on a larger margin of safety here I own a lot of buildings. I never had any problems, not one. I want you to keep that perfect record. That's the reason for the design modifications. I figured you might change your mind after you talked to your wife. Well, I can't for the life of me understand why you'd want to involve Carol in this. Because this is important to me. I'm not asking you to do anything that's against the building code. But you want heavier columns, and that requires larger footings. And that's almost adding 10% to my cost. Now, that's hitting me where I live. Wait a minute, and there's nothing that indicates Wait these modifications are necessary. Ted, listen, you pay me for my experience and my expertise. That's what I'm giving you. You got anything else you want to show me? There are other architects in town. Well, be my guest. If I don't see you for a while, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I'm trying to think of like the best way to to form my form my thoughts here. I um. I've always really uh, just appreciated the way that um, um, Mike and Carol Brady were portrayed in the TV show and in the movies. And Nick, I was kind of thinking about what you were talking about earlier, because <clears throat> like I said, I even though in my heart of hearts, I've always known this was a story about a blended family, but it's not really ever dwelled. Actually, it's on. the story of a lovely lady. <laughs> <laughs> Touché. Um <laughs> It's right in the episode, Michael. I know. Yeah. I'm the one who did all the prep work. <laughs> um, what I love about this TV show, Nick, and I, I would love to like hear your kind of perspectives on it now, having a blended family. One thing I absolutely love about their, the way that it's portrayed on this is pretty much from the very beginning, it's, you know, the kids accept the other parent as being their parent it's mom and dad it's you know it's not okay miss you know it's not okay carol or you know like <laughs> like and like derek said it's they didn't want to touch on divorce and they didn't want to have to deal with the other parents um but i just appreciate that from from the beginning it's it, that is the way that it is shown and it's 
um, whether intended to or not, it's a very positive portrayal of this type of family. And Nick, when I came for your wedding, uh, what was it, two years now at this point? Or was it only yeah, a year ago? Yeah, I think it was two years ago. That was one thing I loved seeing in your household. Um, you know, Raina's children that she had from her last marriage and your children that she had from your last marriage, the way that everyone interacts within your own personal Brady Bunch, because you got a lot of kids in that house, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> And I just kind of wanted you, you had mentioned watching it since, um, you know, having a different family dynamic. Just I want to hear your your perspective. Yeah, on that. no, like regardless of why the Brady Bunch presented the blended family the way that they did, I think it's very powerful that they portrayed a blended family that did not. Like, there was never the episode of, like, you're not my dad. You know, all all blended story, blended family storylines, I'm generalizing, but many of them uh, have that dynamic. That's the storyline that they explore, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the rocky adjustment into going from not a family to becoming a family. And for the Brady Bunch... From the very get-go, they the are one, a family. <laughs> um, and, like, did that impact how I approached being a stepdad? I couldn't say, but, like, it didn't hurt. Like, I, I have always loved my stepkids the same way that I love my biological kids. There is not a distinction for me that those ones share my DNA and those ones don't like they're our four kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And because they spend so much time together, it's not like a, we see our siblings on weekends kind of situation. Um, They act and in, you know, without being in their heads, like they act like siblings in every way, shape and form. So, out the my reality what i experience on a regular day is kind of very much the modern brady bunch thing and it's i don't know it's nice to revisit the brady bunch and see that type of portrayal and everybody wants to see themselves reflected in the media that they want right like mm-hmm. um so that's I, I don't relate to the step family, like step brothers, that, that one comes to mind that where that's about that. Yes. They all become a family in the end, but the story is about them resisting that or having trouble with that. And I didn't relate to those type of blended family stories where I do relate to the Brady bunch in that way. That's beautiful. Um, Nick. Yeah. Thank you for that's that. The way we all became the, Richard's bunch. <laughs> I, I was going to figure out how to work that in there. But, um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to steal the spotlight, but this no, has been in my all. mind ever since he said, okay, whatever, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Carol. So Bobby comes home from college. Yeah. Decides he wants to start calling Carol and Mike by their first names. Carol and Mike have to have a talk around the kitchen table about how they don't like it. And there's some growing pains throughout the episode until okay. they sit and have a sit down where it's decided that outside of the house, they can be Carol and Mike. But when they're in the house, they're <laughs> mom still and mom and dad. 
but out of respect, they will call him Bob. <laughs> Did you just make that had, up? What? Did you just make that up? Yes, that's that's what inspired that. Oh wow, that was that was effortless. Inspired. <laughs> so then we have to tack on the the thing at the end to get him to come back next week. But, right. <laughs> but there. So there. Love it. There's your episode. Perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think we're kind of winding down a little bit. Is there anything? The, I I just want to add one little. Oh please! I was going to ask if there's anything else you wanted to touch on. Tack so. on to what I was saying before, in that in the my Brady bunch, it's my kids that have the hair of gold, not the mother. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, has anyone played ball in the house? Oh yeah, uh, actually yes. my. My daughter went through a heavy volleyball phase because there was an anime that she watched where they played volleyball. Um, And we have an older house that is in pretty good shape, but like the doors are a hundred years old, right? So she was playing volleyball in her bedroom and she hit the ball into the door and knocked out one of the like panels in the door. Yes. So now she doesn't have privacy and I kind of like, I can't just go buy a door off the rack and make it fit this like old spooky gingerbread house sure so i like i did my best to like fit the panel in and a couple of tack nails later and it worked okay and then a month later she did the same thing and knocked it out so now she just has a uh like a blanket draped over her door that she can still close it, so it kind of hides. She still has privacy, but oh, make her put a pizza. And box she's the yeah, she's the 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 oldest uh, curly blonde hair, played and and knocked out the okay out the hole in the door. So if your house is that old, does it have? Do you have drywall walls, or it's is it still the lathe and plaster? Lathe and plaster. Yeah. Oh, so when they break through one of those, that's going to be a, oh, a yeah. crap to replace. Yep. Nice. Mm. <laughs> uh, it was built in 1885. Nice. Uh, we have pocket doors off of the two main rooms. Um, it's uh, we had to replace the not all of it, but some of the old knob and tube wiring was still in there when nice. we moved in, so we had to get all that. So now didn't have any uh, air conditioning. We had uh-huh. oil tank, uh, radiator heating, uh, but no AC. So we got some mini splits put in because we didn't want to drop. Like we have like 10 foot ceilings. We didn't sure. want to add HVAC in that sense. Sure. Um, but it's such a cool house. But it, it, is. it makes repairs kind of challenging. <laughs> uh, do you have a portal to hell or a root cellar in the basement? We have like a, it's a full basement. It's a creepy fucking basement. Nice. But I, I cannot stand up all the way. And there is one area that I think it was for a one room addition. That's like crawl space kind of, but it's like, they just knocked out some of the like old brick and you can see it goes under and it's just like dirt. Um, creepy as hell awesome if there is a portal to hell that's definitely where it is nice we also had a bit you guys will appreciate this so we bought it from a woman named mitzi Mm. um and then we learned later that there was another woman who owned it before her that was named mitzi 
So we're convinced that actually Mitzi was the original owner that died and now just possesses any woman that lives in the house. Oh. So we're waiting any day for my wife to suddenly start going, hi, I'm Mitzi. That'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Write that down, Nick. That's a good idea for a, that's a good idea for a movie or maybe a Brady Bunch episode. Poltergeist 8. <laughs> um, so did we ever resolve? So... The the building goes to fall down. Yep, yep, yep. Because because the guy tried to use cheap materials. <laughs> so for whatever reason, the guy calls Mike Brady. Yeah. Instead of you know the fire department or something, <laughs> call in the architect. Yeah, which I thought was odd because if he changed the plans, why would the architect know? Uh, so they go there. Mike helps the guy get out. Suddenly, Mike gets trapped by a cave in. Carol leads uh, the crowd in a round of "O Come All Ye Faithful," and then does Mike just walk out because yes. of the power of his music? Yeah, he did music. He, it's like it's like a um, you know the sound of her voice must have either given him the strength or guided him. I don't know. Yeah, he just he just fucking strolls out. Okay. Yeah. So was I, he really stuck? I, I, you know, maybe there's more going on to this story. Maybe he's like, you know, this this holiday's been a nightmare. I'm just going to stay here and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> like, this is the quietest it's been around <laughs> me <laughs> in four days. <laughs> those damn kids. Renting like, all those beds has really hurt my bank account. We should have went to Japan. <laughs> dying alone, that's an answered prayer. That's what that is right now. I, I think yeah. my, my interpretation of of that point is that it really like it felt like a scary moment for the people waiting. Sure. And that it just narratively kind of got blown up bigger than it really was where he like, he got the others out, but then maybe there was something fell and he had to just take another route to get, I didn't imagine him being pinned down or anything. No, they just, they like, showed him just sitting there awkwardly. It was kind of strange. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm sorry. This is, I'm going to take you off on another tangent. That I can't wait. Me and my wife, but I think this this makes a great a great deal. We went camping and met some friends of mine. They had some land over by uh, Dickieville, over on the western side of Wisconsin. Okay, it was it was going to rain out that night. And it was supposed to rain pretty bad, but we we're in tents, so we we put an extra tarp on top of our tent. And we were laying there and the rain came and it was so loud and it was, it was, it was really scary. And suddenly the wind started to pick up and boom, one of our tent poles went down. So it's her and I in this tent and we're like out and like, great, this is how I die. I'm the one that has to get outside and go fix this tent. (sighs) Okay. Like sucks having to man up, but I'm the one that has to do it. So I kiss, kiss my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. I go outside of the tent only to realize that the tarp is magnifying the sound of this very pleasant sprinkle that's coming down. <laughs> and uh, like Angela's inside and she's very scared. She's like, Derek, are you okay? And I'm like, Angela, it's actually quite nice out here. I'm going to go see if the campfire is still going. <laughs> like, so that's reminding me of this end scene where, oh, yes. there's this cave in and everything yep. falls on Mike, but turns around. He just had to kind oh. of stand up and it's, it's a oh. little dusty. And he here, was tying but... his shoe and yeah, sorry. I stopped. The water fountain was still good. So I got a drink <laughs> right. of water and everything's fine. So 
Sorry, like, you were all worried. Like to me, it very much it was uh, it's definitely a, a a move to get people to come back after the next commercial break. It was just a very strange one because it was right. it, it was way more um, intense than a Brady Punch storyline normally is. And it was so and even, even it. though they had set it up with you know that uh, tell your husband to uh, you know sign off on my my plans they in that way but emotionally they did not set up that moment Mm-mm. sure so it came completely out of the blue yeah uh, i really like what you said earlier about yeah the movie was already done and then they tacked <laughs> this on yep yeah and that's that's honestly how it feels because like it, feel, it feels it okay. feels like you could have ended with uh the really strange uh in a in a way that i love uh dinner table sequence where they're all just feeling really guilty and uh like oh no you're talking about me dad (laughs) um and then like it could have just had sam come in and the movie could have ended but they're like ah we need a little bit more time we got to get a couple more commercials in here so here's the meeting like boom and then it ends at the dinner table and it's perfect cut it print it it's like okay, the old man says we have to do this, but we are 20 <laughs> minutes short on this movie and we have to throw something else. Can we just tack this on without telling? Yes, but just just get it through. He'll sign off on it. Yeah. <laughs> you That's know, remember that... he's an architect. This is just architect stuff. It's... Yeah. Just yeah, throw something on there. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> I, I kind of wish they had, since everybody was like, nope, here's my problem. No, here's what I've been lying about. They get to the, the sixth kid. They're like, no, I I have nothing to share. That's fine. No, everything's cool with me. Yeah. Things are doing good. I'm going to race cars. Uh, I just, you know, making money. That's fine. Also, we're so proud of you. One tiny detail. I noticed. I like that. Bobby could sit at the uh, adults table, but Cindy was still with the kids. Mm -hmm. She was still at the kids (sighs) table. Again, back to her resolution. (laughs) I wanted to be asked about this. I wanted to be treated like an adult. Okay, Cindy, come and sit at the adult table. No, I'm going to sit at the kids' table. Because I've got we're a game going fun. on. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Cindy and Bobby out in the garage. <laughs> More than likely. Yeah. Um, like that's why she's hanging out with the kids because she just doesn't give a flip. <laughs> I didn't really want to come home for Christmas. You didn't? Well, I did, but. See, the girls, they planned this big ski weekend, and I was supposed to go. But then you called, and I felt that I had to be here. I wanted to be here. I just don't know why nobody asked me. I mean, I just wish sometimes that everybody would stop thinking of me as little Cindy and start looking at me as someone older. I do it, Cindy. Well, thank you, Mickey. Me too. Me too. Cindy. Sometimes parents have a difficult time realizing that their children are grown up and capable of making their own decisions, especially when it's their youngest. You're right. We should have asked you to come home and instead of telling you. Sorry. I agree, but you made a good choice. <laughs> Cindy, would you like to come over now and sit with us at the big table? Oh, Mom. <laughs> Thanks for asking, but uh, 
We've got a game going here. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to mention, because there's no way, nowhere to actually put it. Uh, so I'm just going to tack it on at, at the end here before we start wrapping up. Um, the biggest thing for me, I would say, that just felt um, like I was kind of blown away by was... Um, so after the intro of, of the the movie where we get the dialogue scene between Carol and Mike, them walking through the house just so they could show us, one, the new interior of the house, but then all these camera angles I have never seen of the house before, <laughs> being able to see, you know, the side of the house that the camera is normally on and that there's right. windows there or just like almost just like really kind of like creepy <laughs> creeper shots of slow zooms through the house. Uh-huh. They're just really enjoy like. This had, uh, there was there's an old quote uh, from Orson Welles talking about making Citizen Kane, and he said the biggest thing that he really strived for on that movie uh, was to be able to show the ceilings of because so many movies you couldn't show the ceiling because the sets weren't tall enough. And I just oh. m- kept thinking this is Orson Welles' favorite episode of the Brady Bunch because you could <laughs> see the ceilings, <laughs> ceiling porn. And like for me, as, as, a, as, a, as a huge Brady fan who has probably the house committed to memory, um, <laughs> it was it's like, oh, my God, all these angles I've never seen before. They I've have never so much seen more that windows. corner before. <laughs> That's kind of how it felt. There's so, a house plant there. Good uh, to know. I did like the window that they put in over the kitchen sink. Yeah, I, I like that, too. But, um, but then that also tells me that that house now has a U-shaped backyard. Mm-hmm. Because it's the the patio doors go right out into the um, the garage and the driveway. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about the the um, being able to, but it's only it's only the, the the first floor of the house. We don't really go upstairs or out to the yard. But I only appreciated the seeing went it. upstairs. Yes, I, I I appreciated getting to see that um, because I'm a nerd for those type of things. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, any final thoughts on the on a very on a very Brady Christmas? I'll I'll just it's something that I've expressed throughout the episode, but you know most of my comments were critical. Uh, but I just want to go back and state one last time that like it's the Brady bunch. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't go for the incredibly compelling dynamic complex emotional storyline you go the will they won't they right yeah no you (laughs) go for the warm fuzzy family like hella light drama and and you got more pie i just appreciate i was able to make a citizen kane reference talking about the brady bunch i i have a hard time not making orson welles references when discussing the brady bunch (laughs) I'm still back on your description of Carol watching Jan and her husband. <laughs> it was so unsettling. You I go back, go back it. and watch that scene. You will not be able to take your eyes off of her watching them. Hey, there's not a lot going California, on in that house, man. It was, you know, <laughs> it's okay if you're not down for breakfast. Wink, wink, <laughs> clink. So on this show, we when I remember to do it, we occasionally do something called the Thrill House moment, which is a moment in the 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 film that was kind of your lock in favorite moments, anything really that you want to highlight that. um, And you can even talk about this more uh, like when you first saw it, like what kind of 
clenched you in that you wanted that you were enjoying what you're watching or that you were in for the ride uh, who wants to start anyone um could, if you need a moment i could start well i i can start because i guess i didn't really have one for this movie okay the the attraction was I, I mean i knew exactly what it was it was an updated telling of the brady story it's not like there. I didn't need to be won over or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah, but, this one's kind of a weird one for that, but I wanted. Well, to still I went do for it. a plate of pie. I got a plate of pie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nick, do you have one, or do you want me to go? Um. Oh, I can't pin it to a precise moment. That's fine. I got but, two of them. So. But there is a section of the film where they've kind of when they're in in the first act maybe towards the end of the first act you know that's primarily the i'm getting her this trip she's getting him this trip stuff and that's primarily what it all the first act consists of but what i found particularly emotionally interesting at least as i'm i'm sure as i'm getting older and my kids are starting to get older was seeing the difference in their dynamic now that they're mm-hmm. empty nesters to see uh um their relationship now that it's just the two of them in this big house i think that for me was my my thrill house but i don't think moment is the right uh word but um that's what made this more than just a long episode of of the Brady Bunch. You got to see the evolution of those two characters. Sure. I like that. So I mentioned kind of having two of them. Uh, they're, they're all within quick succession of each other. So it kind of feels like you, Nick, where it's like, I guess a, a moment of it is first when, when Alice came back, cause we all knew Alice was going to come back, but the reasoning for her came back just really threw me for a loop. <laughs> yes. I didn't know at that point I was like, Oh, I don't know what to expect anymore. Um, but in a good way, like I said, it was like Nick, what you said is like an evolution where everything was still written and treated like the Brady bunch. It's just, maybe not everything is perfect. Yeah. Uh, so not knowing where they're going to, I also loved her entrance, the way she was like, eh, eh. <laughs> very Lucille well, Ball. Well, yeah, but that was schlitzy. Like, her training came from that that era mm-hmm. and everything. Yep. Wow. So I, I loved that because, and then just, <clears throat> um, like I said, Sam's breakup letter just kills me. I just, it just it's so funny to me. Um, <laughs> and then at one point, I, I got up to go refresh my drink, and I still had it playing in the background, and I came back uh to the like the introduction of bobby being a race car driver and i thought <laughs> i missed <laughs> something because i just a race car driver <laughs> <laughs> so i just got the race cars and everything flying around the corner i'm like did the channel change or something <laughs> i was really lost it's like all right i don't know what's happening here but this is cool so those two little moments it's like i don't know what to expect from this and i'm loving it those brady boys are at it again <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the car, at least one of the two cars in that sequence was orange too, which is what made me go in that direction. Awesome. He's, he's at the library studying. So those would be my two moments, but they're all within like five minutes of each other. Nice. So, um, sure. Um, Ann B. Davis, I just wanted to talk about her for a second. Alice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
kind of a success story, like left show business to go live in a religious community. Hmm. And then every time she was asked to do a TV show appearance that was Brady based, she would bring some members of the community with her so that they could experience, you know, Hollywood and everything like that. But as far as I know, never any stories of drama or crime or anything like that, but just, a, a nice little like devoted to her beliefs and lived how she wanted to. Nice. Yeah. Good but then, for her. But then was always our Alice. Yes. So, but actually became Alice after a long career of like the end of vaudeville and radio okay. and, and acting al- alongside Lucille Ball and stuff like that. Nice. So, so well, while, while Alice may have forgiven Sam, I never will. No. Yes, who writes in their letter, I'm I found someone younger. Like <laughs> what? Like And I yeah. really enjoy seasoning her rump roast. Oh later. Maybe if I show up as Santa Claus, she'll forgive me. Oh, yep, it worked. I will, I had wondered too if they did that just like uh, I hadn't looked up to see if it was the same actor who had played Sam's. Like, did they do that just so that we didn't have to show his face? To to cover up. Uh there was some like, I don't know if he was retired or ill or something like that, because he did not pass away until the mid-2000s. Okay. And I only remember that because I was doing commentary for AAW that night and had checked my phone, and I announced it live over commentary oh. that Sam the Butcher had passed away. I kind of love that you were able to work a Brady Bunch thing into your wrestling commentary. Oh, commentary when I did it, was it, it, it was fun. It was there were there were different ways to to play around with it. I had heard a couple of the matches like uh, that you had done commentary for, and it was oh, always good stuff. They've all aged like milk now. We did so much <laughs> stuff that we would get canceled for. It was. <sighs> I had an Ike and Anna May joke that yeah, I just can't. Well, you're quick on your feet. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the secret to commentary was funny. The secret I found was you had to be in your head three sentences ahead of what you were saying at any given moment mm. in order to stay on top of everything, uh, which led to people saying, I really loved when you said X, but you're just like, I don't remember saying that because I'm just like generating content. So by the time you hear it, I've already forgotten about it or something like it's- that. That's kind of how I feel about live switching events. Oh, sure. Where you're you're setting up your next shot always. So like the cut that you just made, your yep. like is such a reflexive thing because you have to stay two shots ahead of everything. Bingo. Yeah, you yeah. get it. Okay. Makes complete sense. All right. Any final thoughts on the Brady Bunch or very Brady Christmas? Uh did what it was supposed to. Agreed. Led to the Brady's, which was on tv for a while and then it wasn't <laughs> um but like ultimately when it comes down to it i just love anything to do with the brady bunch and i can definitely see myself returning to this um just because why the hell not right um, uh, you it, have seen eve plum and i'm gonna get you sucker right i've seen i'm gonna get you sucker i haven't seen uh eve plum well i thought she was in that she plays the wife of a black panther and so some... she Oh. Some seventies comedy movie um, like that. We'll have to I, figure it out. Oh no, it is. I'm gonna get you sucker. I guess I just didn't uh, cons- uh, realize that was her. Wow, oh. that's the same year as this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but it came out on video later. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, 
yeah, this has been a great episode. Um, yeah. Nick, I know you're, you're you're not really on social media, but is there anything you want to plug locally for your, any of your shows? You have a Christmas um, show this year. Uh, we're we're doing Elf. We're in the middle of the run. It's all sold out, so there's nothing to really promote. Um, but the the personal project update, though, there's nothing nowhere to send people yet. Is I finished the uh, the script for the graphic novel that I've been working on. Which you on. sent that to me, and I have to read it. So still. I've been able to hand all of that over to the artist, and we're moving into the next phases of that project. And I'm really looking forward to finally having something that I can start sending people to to check it out. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and then how about you, Derek? Anything coming up that you want to promote? Nah. Uh, I know Mondo's <laughs> coming up at Cooperage, but they are sold out. Um, so we can't promote that. Uh, look for Mondo at Taco Fest. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Any new episodes of Cigars and Conversations coming? Absolutely not. That thing's probably dead. Damn. I, I, I hate to I hate to be so down about it, but we kind of said everything we had to say, plus the whole uh landscape of podcast change. So a lot of the stories that I wanted to tell are now being addressed, and in some cases by the people that were involved in the situation. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. I just really liked the show. So oh, I I enjoyed it as well, but uh we just haven't been feeling the spark. I know no, my fair. cohort is very busy in the music world currently. Yeah, hmm. uh, Nick, you'd actually appreciate that. Uh, um, his uh, um, podcasting, um, I guess, companion, uh, Jay Gilke, who was on an episode of this show. Yeah. He is in a D and D themed hardcore band called Fight Dice. Nice. <laughs> yes. So I, I knew somebody that was good friends with another D and D themed metal band called The Sword. Oh, I've heard of the sword. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're like a national band. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know any D and D themed bands except for Pipe <laughs> Dice. So, uh, back in my day, they were called Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. If you, um, um, if you're not, if you, if you sat through this entire dun, episode dun, and haven't, dun, dun. and haven't watched a very Brady Christmas, good luck finding it. It's not that hard. It's not that easy to find right now. It's not um, on YouTube. There are clips, no. but not it's, on YouTube. Uh, it's uh, currently it was uh, at the time of this recording on Pluto TV. But uh, I thank, will bet you it's coming on Me TV soon. Probably. Ooh, yeah. Um. Yes. But thank you everyone for listening. Um. I don't remember how I normally end this show. So <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. It was so good to be back for a bit, even <laughs> if it was brief. And I hope I can uh, come back again next year sometime. You can come back whenever you want. You created this show. With yes. You don't have to ask permission. <laughs> I, I just show up in your stream yard recordings. I'll just send you a link every time. <laughs> nice. Even if you haven't watched the movie. <laughs> I'm just here to listen. The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Viers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Viers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed. The Shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Viers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn, 
You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.